A journey into the heart of a giant turtle. A battle with a thick boy porcupine. It's Gamma versus Jiger. I, I, I purposely, I don't, I don't usually purposely not read it, but I'm glad I did. Because yeah. when I heard you say thick, I was like, a thick what? <laughs> thick. I honestly Boy, don't know that. what Jiger is Jiger, modeled after. Jiger's closer to a Triceratops, I think, than a porcupine. I agree. I agree, generally speaking, except for all the spikes that he can launch from every sort of orifice so uh, so that's a good question right so if, if he if he fires if he fires porcupine pins from horns mm-hmm. is he a triceratops or a porcupine he's a tribe cupine it's <laughs> a good effort eric i'll uh yeah i know let's move on uh, pork pork ceratops i don't know one one of those two Anyway, welcome, welcome back to the Monsters vs. Men podcast. We are still trying our best to stay alive here at the bargain basement of the Kaiju Podcasting Airwaves. How you doing, Alex? Doing good. I'm COVID free, baby. Got a negative. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. great. So, yeah. um, you don't have to worry about me. I can stay alive a little bit longer. Great. <laughs> I am. I am happy for you, Alex. Oh, uh, you sound a little it's disappointed. Just... It sounds like you may have had a co-host, a new co-host lined up. <laughs> Well, maybe. I, I, I do have a couple backups just in case something happens, but <laughs> fortunately not this week. Not today. Oh, I see. See, at least I make offers on the podcast to people, whereas you do it like cloak and dagger behind me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's all behind closed doors with me. But <laughs> Hey, I'm excited because we've got Drew back on the podcast today. Yeah, it's our first returning guest. Like other than some of the people that popped on for the big Godzilla blowout. Yeah. Uh yeah, he'll be our first returning guest. Yeah, yeah. No, that's gonna be it's gonna be really fun. I think he has some interesting things to say about this week's film. <laughs> but I want to get to him as soon as possible. So let's jump right into yeah, this, shall let's we? Do it. All right. As the Gamera series enters the seventies, the giant turtle does indeed face new enemies. This time, Jiger, not to be confused with the mythical Liger, Alex. <laughs> Yuasa and the boys are back, of course, but did Gamera versus Jiger bring the smack, or was it just a little whack? Well, I do have a quick bone to pick with you. Okay. The Liger is not mythical, it does exist. <laughs> but <It's> true. True. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. I'm thinking of I'm thinking of the liger from Napoleon Dynamite. That mm. that liger is mythical, <laughs> Alex. Fair enough. <laughs> um. So yeah, I'm beginning to realize that maybe these movies don't benefit uh don't benefit of low expectations, but instead are just unfairly crapped on. I don't see a reason to really hate these movies like a lot of people did. You know, I, mm-hmm. I keep waiting for the next movie to be the bombshell that's awful. And I know we're coming up on the one that is universally hated. But, mm-hmm. you know, of course, I, I'm just talking about a general consensus that these movies are not good. But 
I'm really starting to think that this movie smacks. It's not whack. <laughs> that and, and you know this, we finally get to know Gamera inside and out in this movie. We also get a really fun evil monster that is only distracted by whistles. Yep. And like Giron, he seems like a really formidable foe. But I also like that Gamera isn't weak like I was complaining about last week. He's actually got a little tenacity to him this time. And mm. I like it. I don't think I've even like mentioned the story yet, but the monster stuff's great. But you know, I might want to let you talk at some point. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm glad you didn't think Gamera was weak in this film. I, too, enjoyed this film. And I think Jiger definitely brings the smack. Now, there are a couple of pacing problems, of course, and a few major plot holes. But for me, I think thematically, this film hits all the notes that the past two films have tried to hit, but actually just fell short on. I also think the monster action overall is a step up from the last two films. And I enjoyed that it wasn't a recycled plot. Something about it, maybe it was that ancient elemental threat of Jiger, reminded me of Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. Hmm. You know, Caesar specifically. Yeah, Caesar. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Now, it didn't have, it did have a prayer in it, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, But it didn't have the prayer on the beach song, which is unfortunate. But (laughs) it's that connection to history and culture that started right from the very beginning that had me intrigued with the whole international expo angle. Um, But when will humans learn, Alex, Mm. that moving ancient statues is never a good idea? If most movies I've seen involving curses or any any indication, we'll never learn, Eric. No, we won't learn. Especially when it comes to the Expo 70. Yeah. Expo 70, Eric. Expo 70. Uh (laughs) I, I don't know how many times that was said during the movie. As if it was like this glo- I mean, I know, I'm sure it was a gigantic deal in Japan. Mm-hmm. Because I believe they actually filled it, filmed this at the actual Expo 70. Mm. But they're more concerned this is about... advertisement for Expo 70. Yeah, they're more, con- they're, they're more concerned about the Expo than they are any human life whatsoever. Def- definitely the first 15 minutes, yeah. Well, no, yeah. the final battle, too. They're like, oh, no, the Expo, not the Expo. Oh, this is, tr- this is true. This is true. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, what about you all? You're not even worried about yourselves. But, so, uh, you know, talking about those final battles, it was actually nice to see actual great battles in a Gamera film. You know, mm-hmm. it does have pacing problems, primarily after the second battle, which feels like a big finale, where they fight in the yeah. city at night, and then Gamera mm-hmm. goes for the longest death stroll I've ever seen. Like, that, that goes on for way too long. <laughs> then it feels like the film has a little trouble finding its footing uh, for a little bit after that until, until of course they go inside Gamera and then the finale finality actually, actually kind of goes on a little too long as well. You know, we get these kids standing by near the expo. That's so dear to everybody. And they're both shouting. They're, they're like, they're like people that know how to play a fighting game. Right. And then Gamera is the guy that doesn't know how to play the game and they're trying to teach him, and they're just sitting there for like 10 minutes yelling super moves for Gamera to do. Do the Jets! Do the Jets! Or do all, all these things. And it's like, it's completely uninteresting. <laughs> and not only that, Gamera ignores every single command they do. He never does any of the moves that they say, which would be like a child's fantasy. And I can see the movie yeah. playing into that, but he never does what they're telling him to do, which is just, 
It's just <laughs> an odd decision. But, you know, I will say that the film actually has uh, at least a few characters that I actually really found enjoyable. But I think my actual favorite character of this is the dad in particular. Mm-hmm. He seems really fun, childlike, but fun-loving. But he's also, he is a bit of an authority figure as well, mm-hmm. as we see in the opening moments of the, the film. I really like that. Did, or, what about the characters? Do you, do you, any you liked? Yeah, well, I'm assuming you mean the Japanese dad. Well, you know, he's the only played, one that matters. He's played by the same, yeah. <laughs> he's the one who's played by the same actor as the lovable Officer Kondo from last week. Ah, that right? is, I was like, why does he look so familiar? And Yeah, that's why. I, you know, I should know it's only been a year since the last movie with the film wise uh-huh. so and only not like about five much. days since you've watched it so <laughs> <laughs> uh but as for the characters yeah we so and i also by the way i disagree with you about the gamma death stroll but we'll talk about that oh, later okay as as for the characters we do continue our japanese american pairing of protagonists but this time the kids or the boys at least, are slightly older, mm-hmm. right? We've got Hiroshi and Tommy, slightly older than our last two pairs. Yeah. I'll tell you what I was most pleased about, though. It was the return of the mini yellow sub. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely, uh, you know, when I first saw it, I was like, oh, this is such an original idea. <laughs> We've never seen this before. But you know what? Yeah. I will take this over stock footage any day, Eric. I will take the use of one prop all over again over the use of stock footage, which I know was in the opening credits, but that's acceptable. That's acceptable. That's like, that's a recap that you weren't going to be doing anything special during anyway. So, Mm -hmm. and I actually think that the uh, submarine was implemented way better. It was explained way better. Everything about it was way better. And especially plot-wise, I mean, I like that they use it. Uh, first off, they explain that it can only go three feet down. So, immediately, mm-hmm. it's not too dangerous to use. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're, not, they're not swimming between a giant turtle's legs for fun underneath <laughs> the ocean, like <laughs> uh, unknown depths. And so, that that's nice. But I like that they use it to go inside Gamera. And that whole sequence is really fun. And a standout among kaiju films in general. I don't know how often we see the inside of a kaiju for this long. Like, yeah, sometimes we might see the inside before they get exploded or something like that. But GMK. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but we don't really get to see the inside. Like, where the kids get out, they walk around. Like, it's this really, like, mystical almost feeling portion of the film that I like. Mm-hmm. And I like the monsters in this one, too. Even Mini Jack, or who I'm just going to call Jig. For short, because I like it, I can take that. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> Gamera, and I like again that Gamera is powerful in this one, but he's definitely not invincible. He's not living up to his mm-hmm. namesake from the first movie. <laughs> and also, Jiger, adult Jiger, is so interesting. He has yeah. some of the craziest abilities I've ever seen. He's got magneto-like powers where he can just float rocks around. <laughs> I, I know he's got suction cups or something, but he's got magneto-like powers. He's got little. Uh, quills that he shoots out of his horns. He's got the de- the super laser death ray thing that just evaporates everything in a really cool way. The coolest, the coolest death ray since Baragon's rainbow. But continue. <laughs> yes, yes, you're right, you're right. Um, and then he's got a tail that puts babies in you, and he he's got face jets. <laughs> yeah. Well, you keep on referring. 
to Jiger as a he. I know, it's a her. But it's a her, you're right. It is a her. It is a she, right? Because yes. it does impregnate Gamera. Yes, and, <laughs> you know, I was trying to look up who the actors are and what they look like, and so I would have been, I wouldn't have to just say the dad, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> the vague dad. It's amazing. Wikipedia and Wikizilla, no information, no plot synopsis. They just have the name and then the character they played, which is completely useless to someone like me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this movie is not talked about a lot. And I'm surprised yeah. after watching it because it is really enjoyable. Uh, I, I completely agree. I, I was pleasantly surprised. And I think Jiger may be a victim in this one, if we're actually (laughs) being honest. I think you're right, (laughs) which makes this really interesting. I think you're right. It does. It does. I love her reveal, you know, as she climbs out of of the mountainous terrain. And immediately I feel sympathy for her as she just wants a giant drink of water, Alex. (laughs) Right? (laughs) She immediately uh, comes from uh, those those rocks and she just needs that drink. Um, Also her systematic attack of Gamera is genius. And the fact that she doesn't Uh finish him off might just show her compassionate side. (laughs) But thematically, as I said, (laughs) thematically, as I said, this film builds off some of the ideas of the past too, really showcasing how kids ideas need to be treated with respect. And sometimes when you're dealing with giant monsters, especially the kids' ideas may be the good ideas. Mm-hmm. I especially like that line. Uh, it didn't quite earn my most memorable line award this week, but it's from this week's elderly statesman scientist, Dr. Suzuki, who says, it's easy for kids to ignore children's simple ideas. On the other hand, adults do not have their unadulterated views. Yeah. Now, I don't know if the uh, the subtitles were trying to play on words there with adults and unadulterated. Right. I really like that line overall. And that's what Yuasa has been trying to say these past two films. I just think this film does it a little bit better. And I like that idea. Yeah, I, I agree. It's a... Uh... I think this movie is better than some in some aspects, but maybe not. I, I don't like the kids as much in this one as I did in the previous two. Yeah, yeah. No, th- there's there's something to be said about that. I don't think we spend as much time with them um, as we have in the past two. That's true. Uh, to be sure. Yeah. But but I think it's the culmination of some of these ideas um, kind of put together. So it's interesting mm-hmm. in that regard. Yeah. But that brings us to Alex. Uh, our new segment, a new <laughs> rotating segment for this week. Do you want to introduce the segment? Yeah, yeah. Our new segment is going to be called Getting Cultured with Kyoe. And this is a longtime listener, and she is from Japan. And so she has sent us some notes to guide us on this cultural journey that we Westerners are very ignorant on in some respects. And so this way, we can all learn something about the great nation of Japan. <laughs> Absolutely. No, so but the it, first thing. Yeah. No, go you're gonna say, Alex. Uh, I was no, just go gonna ahead. say. I just. I do think it's really good for us to learn these things, so we do have a better understanding and knowledge of, especially movies of this era and just in general. It's something that I think we could probably go back and look at some of the old Godzilla movies and probably apply it to those as well. No, that's true. That's true. Um, and. As well as some of those like cultural items, just also some pronunciations that, of course, I get wrong every week. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But so, for example, <laughs> she mentioned uh, 
Virus is how I was pronouncing it, but Virus is actually pronounced by Rasu. And I think that Su there isn't very pronounced. So right. it's by Rasu, right? Like by Rasu. By, you know, so very by, like by gentle. <laughs> <laughs> I may never get it and I apologize, I but I will try. <laughs> That's all right. I, I, you know, they say you learn more from your failures than. <laughs> <laughs> and I will then, be failing a lot. Right. And so if we have to do this three, five, ten times, we'll get it right eventually, Eric. <laughs> but, uh, you know, she also said that Giron's name is actually based on guillotine, which actually makes sense because double L's in Japanese would actually be a Japanese R sound. So I guess mm. I, I, I'm going to butcher this. like Kind of like guillotine, maybe? Yeah, I think so. So... And she says in English, it sounds more like an RDL sound scrunched together, which reading that, I probably say it every day, but reading it, I'm like, what does that sound like? Yeah. Eric, Eric, you're an English teacher. Go for it. (laughs) 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 We failed. We failed. We failed. failed. So, but uh, uh, go ahead. I like, I like that she said that, you know, Giron uses ninja stars because of how in the 60s, how much kids were loving ninjas and shuriken, especially after the James Bond film, You Only Live Twice from 1967. That was yeah. a valid point. I think that's that's really, really good insight. Mm-hmm. And I, I could be misremembering, but I think one of the, one of the Barbella and Florbella was actually in You Only Live Twice. I think they were the Bond girl in that movie, but I might be misremembering which which Bond movie they're in. Um, but I love when you bring in facts that you don't quite remember. <laughs> <laughs> it's the, that's <laughs> that's why we have QA. <laughs> so oh man, she said, uh, "You know, we, we mentioned that it was odd last week that they had that quote that was." Uh, they wanted a planet free of wars and traffic accidents, which mm-hmm. still is a little odd sounding to me. But she made the point that Jap- Japan was in the middle of a t- period of increased prosperity that was so big that more cars and more people were traveling. And it was causing all the an, a huge uptick in traffic accidents. And these ac- accidents often affected school children that were being hit. And so even today, like the effects of it are, were so big that even today, grade schoolers wear bright yellow hats mm-hmm. and coats and girls usually wear bright red backpacks. So, you know, thinking back, I, I immediately thought of the protagonist from All Monsters Attack and yeah, several I mean, of the other movies not, I've seen. But. Yeah, uh, all of the <laughs> Gamera films, right? They've all had kids with bright yellow hats or red hat, right, in the last mm-hmm. film. I've wanted that all monsters attack yellow hat. I've I've looked for it before. Oh, I, really? I googled it to try to find it. Yeah, I couldn't find it. So if anybody knows where I can find one of those yellow hats from All Monsters Attack, <laughs> let me know. I need. I want one of those. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else um, in our getting cultured segment? Yeah. So she said the you know we we had a condo. I think it was condo from last week. The police officer. You know, they say that they're state. She said that they're stationed every few blocks, more like a neighborhood watch and less of like a American like police force. So yeah. they're like more friendly with the kids, which is, explains a lot of the understanding and the relationship from the previous film. And then my favorite af- effect award last week was Gamera doing gymnastic bars, which 
apparently the Tokyo Olympics were just a few years before the film, and this gymnast named Endo Yukio was a promised, prominent Japanese gymnast and who was considered like a hero over there. And he made gymnastics so popular that it was implemented into these two movies, which is why Gamera skis on virus, vi, bi, virusu, virus, virusu, virusu, virusu. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> explains why he was skiing on him and the the bars that he was doing in the last movie. So mm. now you know why it was completely appeal to kids who considered this guy a hero, or I guess the country considered him a hero. Perfect sense. Yes. Now you've been cultured, sir. Cultured. <laughs> Without further ado, let's get Drew on the podcast. All right. I'm excited to welcome back our first returning guest, Drew, to the podcast. Drew was on the podcast previously for Godzilla vs. Godzilla 2, where he correctly explained to Eric how wrong he was about the movie. Drew isn't just a loyal listener, though. He's been a friend throughout the entire process, and recently he started up the Monsters vs. Men Instagram page, which we'll talk about in a second, but Drew... Welcome back, and how's it going? Doing pretty well. I've uh, managed to stay alive since the last podcast, so <laughs> mission of the podcast accomplished so far. <laughs> Which is a feat this day, uh, this year. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's very true. It's been extra challenging, but you got got to play life on hard mode sometimes. <laughs> now. Now, Drew, as we get into it, I, I'm not going to lie to you. When when Alex said you were starting up an Instagram for us, I was hesitant. Are you trying to steal my seat as the new co-host for Monsters vs. Men? Well, uh, I'm pleased to announce that there's actually a fatal four-way coming up at the big one-year show of Ursary. And all the guests that have been on the podcast are going to have a ladder match and see who can climb up and grab the golden microphone. To become the rightful <laughs> co-host, so you're gonna have to tune into that. That's uh, and it might be Patreon exclusive. I, I don't know, but it's gonna be, oh, there we go. <laughs> it's gonna be a battle That's royale. Awesome. <laughs> but I like that. I like that. Not only did you start it, Drew. By the time I had actually been even, I hadn't even known about it. You'd already been six days into it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I kind of take the approach that, you know, it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. And you just yeah. you just do something and then be like, oh, yeah, hey, here's here's this. So, uh, and, <laughs> yeah. You're doing such a good job that I was like, oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the idea kind of came to me originally. Like, I was like, man, you know, these guys should really be on Instagram to uh, – promote their show and i think that's the thing everybody loves most hearing when they're they're doing a project is hey you guys should really you know launch something else to take up mm -hmm. more of your time uh, <laughs> so instead of you know telling you all you what you should do i was just like yeah i've uh, i've had some experience building instagram pages I, I have two myself and i was just like yeah i'm gonna I'm put it together and then you know give them this present <laughs> so to speak oh that's awesome i mean that's the second present you've given because you recently sent me a gamma shirt which is awesome <laughs> yeah uh <laughs> eric <laughs> you're, yeah you're, dang, dude. Your, your gift's on the way <laughs> 
<laughs> it's uh you know all this COVID is uh, delayed in transit. Oh yeah, yeah. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, there's a there's another podcast I listen to. It's a it's about like uh, action figures and stuff, and they launched like a a figs for friends promotion. And it's just like, hey, mail your mail your friends random stuff. So, in all seriousness, the, the Drew, I've enjoyed the Instagram because even though it features the podcast, I like that you put your own unique spin on it. So, what have you done to kind of give it that unique feel that feels personal to you? Uh, my approach to anything that I do that's you know somewhat creative is I want to create the content that I would want to see. Uh, it's kind of tough. <laughs> translating to the podcast which is an audio format to instagram Uh posts that are fully image with text so i try to kind of find something that interests me or that you know a memory of each of the movies that i can include Uh and then i just drop the synopsis of the podcast in there and go back and pull your ratings and, and try to attract new listeners which you gained a following really quick (laughs) <laughs> I will say you grew the page pretty quick. <laughs> uh, some of that goes like organically and some of it, like you guys have a built in audience. You've been doing it as I said earlier for almost a year. So, you know, there's a lot of people that were excited. Like I got messages like, Oh, these guys are finally on Instagram <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and people excited that uh, your show was being put out there on these other platforms that they haven't been on before yeah we're we're, we're both really kind of neglectful of well he's not neglectful of our twitter but just social media in general i think me and eric are pretty bad about you know 13th floor my other podcast i i managed to twitter and it hasn't been touched probably in six months maybe even longer than that maybe ever yeah. uh so it, <laughs> i don't think social media is our forte especially something like instagram where i am not familiar with that scene at all yeah and i i find like self-promotion awkward yes <laughs> uh, <laughs> like i used to write for a website uh, a few years ago and like i just found it weird to constantly like want to throw my own articles out there even though the purpose of writing something is for other people to consume it but <laughs> i've always found like doing other people's stuff is fun and you know trying to shine the light on either a small business or in this case podcast is it's neat and a challenge to try and you know attract people to try it out Mm -hmm. well drew i gotta ask what was your biggest surprise with these gamma show of films so far so far and did you watch these have you watched all these beforehand or not i know you're a big mystery science theater fan uh no i hadn't watched them by them as you know, a standalone movie, I'd seen some of the mystery science theater episodes, but not just the raw version of the movie. And Uh that's, that's been my biggest surprise is, you know, going in, they have this reputation of being just a rip off of Godzilla, but it's been actually not bad. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) I, I think they, they do some different things. I mean, there is a lot of derivative stuff, some stock footage and things like that. But overall, they've been enjoyable to watch. I've been 
kind of going on this journey, trying to keep up with the podcast, and uh, they've been solid. <laughs> so you say they've been solid, but what are what are your thoughts on Gamera versus Jiger in particular? Just your initial thoughts. Uh, the the biggest takeaway, like watching the movie, I just kept coming back to me, and I had to remind myself that this one they fully leaned into it being a kids movie, and there's mm-hmm. a. There's a really good episode of a show on Netflix, The Toys That Made Us, and it's about the creation of the He-Man toy line. Mm. And like, I didn't mm-hmm. care anything about He-Man, but this episode is like keeps coming back to me and all kinds of different things that I watch and consume about how they came up with the toy line and the show and the backstory and all that. And on that episode, they they talk about he-man's catchphrase which if you don't know is i have the power (laughs) and they they actually bring on a child psychologist to talk about it and they talk about how uh, that message to kids of having all the power resonates so well because in their day-to-day life they're so rule bound and they have no control over the decision making and that came back to me while watching this movie because the kids are the only characters that know anything (laughs) about what's going on they know how exactly to solve the plot challenges and i think it would probably appeal to kids watching it in a similar way to like the he-man cartoon right right in addition to you know well first and foremost it's a kids movie that's chock full of body horror. <laughs> and, oh yeah, yeah. It's uh, overall <laughs> disgusting. And I, if you're a kid in the '70s, like you're probably traumatized after watching this. <laughs> For sure, it's a good point. I uh, I like that Drew a lot. The the I have the power stuff that you're talking about, and it really does make sense that why kids would be drawn to a movie like this, where the kids really do, especially in the last three movies really do have all the power. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, honestly, this movie, though, is the movie I'm looking forward to watching with Theo, like, front to back here Uh-oh. in a couple of years. I, I don't know what it is about it. I think it was just kind of the monster action in general that I found really appealing, uh, even more so than the last two, I think. But we'll get to our rankings here in a little bit. Let's get into our awards first. And we'll start with the coolest character award. Alex, you are... We'll start us off. Yes. So <laughs> I, I have forgotten his name already. <laughs> the dad. The, this is the, the Japanese dad who played Kondo uh, in the last movie. I really like him. Like he's a go- he's really goofy, but he also he's childlike and goofy. And he really seems in, like he's also like a father figure because we see that when he's really trying to teach his son or have his son help him fix the sub. But we also mm-hmm. see him make that joke to his daughter. He says, uh, want to tag along talking to her about, uh, his son. And I, I don't know who the guy is in relationship to it. Was it a boy, her boyfriend or something? I'm not sure, but he makes that joke to her just saying like, do you want to hang out with these two nerds? And I really like that. And then later on, there's that moment where <laughs> the, the two boys go inside camera and he, his first reaction is <laughs> Why didn't you bring me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I really like. I just, I think he's a really cool character who manages to be goofy, a little bit of comedic relief, and also manages to be a father figure. Yeah. yeah. I, I've got, uh, 
I've got the little sister, Susan. All right. <laughs> she doesn't do much in this movie, granted. Um, she She's not Tomoko from, from the previous film, who actually played like a key role. But I just love Susan's reactions to all the action going on. You know, every time it cuts to Susan, she has an over-the-top reaction to Gamera's move or uh, Jiger's move. And I'm here for it. Any any reaction that Susan's doing, I just thought was hilarious. So I had to go with Susan as the coolest character. Here. You know, there's a couple times in the movie where I don't I don't think they do this normally in movies where someone if someone goes like Susan, where it actually spells it out like really long instead. Uh-huh. And there's a couple of times where it goes Susan, and it's like. 10 characters instead of the normal five. It's <laughs> pretty funny. <laughs> what about you, Drew? Uh, I gotta go with Jaga! <laughs> Jaga! Jaga! <laughs> and I got a question for you, this, for you guys. Who is the villain of this movie? I mean, you're introduced to Jiger. He's She's finally freed from the rocks, and immediately Gamera just attacks her like she hadn't hurt a single person and Gamera tries his patented move to fly her into space. And then later it's revealed that the entire reason like she's attacking is this devil's whistle has been causing her immense pain for centuries. And she Mm -hmm. throws it into the ocean and what she do? She lays down and rests. Like she's not bent on destroying the city. She acts out of self-defense and preservation of her species, and for that she's attacked. So, but true, Expo seventy, Expo seventy, true. Now that is a important and momentous occasion in history that that really was going to never be forgotten. But did Jiger deserve to die? I don't know. Sacrifice the life of one for the entertainment of many. <laughs> Oh, it's a, it's a sad one. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm not sure. I, I agree with you though, Drew. I, Jiger, I've been calling him a thick boy, but he's really more of a thick. She's a thick gal. Right? <laughs> yeah, but she she can't be the villain in this movie. She doesn't choose to be be uh, awoken from her slumber. Right. Hmm. Uh, it, it, it all comes to her. Uh, in my opinion, so I'm right there with you. What about what about your most memorable line, though? That's true, but I think you could also stand to reason that because Gamera flies in to prevent the stealing of the Devil's Whistle, that maybe Gamera sealed her there in the first place. Like, well, I actually had that thought when it happened because I was like, Gamera knows yeah. what this does. So clearly, Gamera's probably had an encounter before. The, the secrets mm, of Weister mm, mm. Island. <laughs> Maybe th- this Weed's is this dry. is the movie, the prequel it's movie so that needs to be made. Yeah, that's what we've decided. Yes. <laughs> anyway, Drew, what what do you have for your most memorable line award? Uh, I'm gonna go with one of your coolest characters' reactions. Uh, I agree. Like she she really stole the show with some of her uh, reactions to all the things that were going on, and I liked when you know Gamera's been poisoned, as far as we know. And she just says, Gamera, don't die. <laughs> I thought it was just like a <laughs> kind of a wholesome reaction. And, and she, she said it yeah. twice. No, it is. I like those like innocent, wholesome reactions that the kids have. And again, I think like of the three kid uh, actors in this one, she she stood out to me more. So 
And I, and I like that reaction in particular. But my most memorable line, it's kind of a two-parter. I'm kind of cheating for this one. But it's we get that shot of the submarine entering into Gamera's like frozen, poison frozen mouth. Um, and then we get that mm, quick mm. edit to the message from the boys. And the guy reads, we are entering his body by way of mini sub. <laughs> and it's just so off the wall ridiculous uh, <laughs> that it's so humorous. But then a couple lines later, you know, everyone's like, I can't believe they're, they've done this. This is ridiculous. And the American father says, mm-hmm. perhaps we should learn from their nimble brains and initiative. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if that's a, an insult, <laughs> right? Or if he's really being sincere in that moment. I think he's being sincere and it comes from and, and it actually builds upon that that theme that we see in this film. But I just like that he called their brains nimble. <laughs> what about you, Alex? Well, for, I you know, they take these gam- they take these x-rays of Gamera after he's down and out. He's got his head in the water and they pull up these x-ray x-rays for a, a conference scene and they're all looking at him. The doctor gets up and he points to it and he goes, as you see. Gamera resembles a turtle. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. It wasn't obvious by the the giant shell. No, no. I I wasn't sure until this film. Had to get that x-ray view. (laughs) Now now we know. In case you didn't know. Now we know. Alex, what about your Can't Believe That Acting Award? Uh, You know, I had to go back to the dad. You know, he really sold it. Uh, they, again, I don't know his name, uh, Mr. Condo Redux, I guess I'll call him. He, he, he just, he sells the role, man. Every, every line that he delivers, he's got the passion, the gumption. This is an Oscar worthy performance that really was overlooked to this day. Alex, I do put, I do put the, uh, actors and the, uh, cast names at the top of our show notes if you need them. Yeah. But you know what, Eric? <laughs> I have the same problem as I had on Wikipedia, which I don't know what any of these people are. <laughs> this guy's name is Ro- Rosaku Kitayama. That's his name. Okay. Okay. And then which character is he? No, that's him. The actor is Kone Amura. Oh. <laughs> I, I recognize that. The reason I knew that, though, Alex, I recognized it because, again, he was Konkondo from the last film, Officer Konkondo. And he was played yeah, by act- he Kondo. was played by actor Kon Amura, <laughs> so that's how uh, I recognized yeah. it. But yeah, yeah, sh- shame I didn't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about you, Drew? Uh, I, I'm going to give it to Gamera or uh, whoever's wearing the Gamera suit for his starring role in the uh, 127 Hours prequel. Uh, <laughs> You know he's he's got the barbs through through his limbs and he he can't use his mm-hmm. uh, his jets. He's stuck on his back and mm-hmm. you know the actor actually really sells like being kind of stuck and just writhing. And uh, mm-hmm. maybe it's a little bit of the director too, but they they make it seem like you know he's in peril and how's he going to escape? And you know he has to summon all yeah. his strength. And I, I, I thought it worked. Yeah, it is actually well done. I was uh, surprised. I was like, oh boy, here we go. Again, <laughs> he's got things in all of his limbs yeah. and he's going to have to brutal. do something to That's get them out. But it actually is like, <laughs> you're right. It almost feels like under 27 <laughs> hours. 
<laughs> it is. I, I was waiting for him to just rip one of them like, out of his skin. <laughs> Eric, what about your Can't Believe That Acting Award? So mine is a very small moment. And it's actually... Um, so we have... In, in that vessel, we have all the workers, right? All the crew that have gotten sick because of the curse. And mm-hmm. one of the doctors down there is explaining to another doctor, I think it is, that they've all been cursed and that's what's causing their, their sickness. And the doctor says to him, don't say that. It's unscientific. And what, is the, what does the guy do? He takes a chug of, of alcohol, a swig of, of alcohol. alcohol. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's just a small moment. We never see that character again. But it just made me laugh out loud. And a close <laughs> second for Can't Believe That Acting Award is the first construction worker who was affected by the curse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> His spasm is something to behold, for sure. Yes. <laughs> Drew. Definitely can't believe. No, you can't believe that acting. <laughs> but Drew, what about your standout effect award? Uh, this one's a standout effect for the wrong reasons, and that is Jiger's flying. And he, she looks so hokey flying through the arms or flying through the air with her arms and legs just stiff. And I mean, like all these movies, like you suspend your disbelief, like it's a giant monster movie, but things like that just kind of take me out of it and you realize yeah you're watching (laughs) rubber suits fly fly through the air lifeless and i don't think there's any reason like jiger needs to fly at all and it probably no yeah could have been dropped and like i mean she has every other power like out of nowhere like i i don't know well yeah i mean the 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 head jets uh there is no no need to fly. She could just use them to jet around like she does when she gets in the water after that first fight with Gamera and jets across the ocean. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why she never had to fly. I think in the other Gamera movies, they really kind of did a good job of working with their budgets and showing restraint and, you know, not doing something like throw the monster through, <laughs> through the air lifeless. But this one, they just like... <laughs> So for some reason, abandon all that restraint. It was just like, yeah, we're going to put this in the movie. <laughs> I agree. I think it's all, we also see that same sort of like lifeless form when Gamera repeatedly lifts Jiger into the air and drops her back to Earth. You know, and it's just like the suit uh-huh. falling down. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty stiff. Um, but my standout effect, again, is kind of a, a cheat here. And Alex, you said you didn't like this earlier, but I thought it was a standout effect and a standout shot put together. And it was, you know, Gamera's stroll, um, death stroll, I think you called it, um, where uh, he's, yeah. he's been poisoned slash impregnated and uh, he's walking towards the water. And it's a minute long uh, take right and it's one shot but there's just so many miniatures in the foreground and so much to take in and you have that somber music in the background playing i i felt that moment and thought it was a standout moment in the film oh. drew, drew did you did you like that moment you can be the judge here was that a good moment or was that a too long boring drawn no out i moment? did i did like it and i like the kids kind of running to see what's going on and you know I agree that the miniatures looked pretty good through that section. Like they had really built up this city and that's probably, Mm -hmm. you know, what they constructed the movie around. Clearly it's going to be this scene of Gamera, like meeting 
his potential demise. And I, I thought it was well done. Yeah, I thought it was well done, Eric. I just thought it went on too long. Okay. I, I took a nap. Yeah. I woke up. I went yeah. to the bathroom. I made yeah. breakfast. And then it, it was goes, still It goes going. on for literally 61 seconds. He's... <laughs> <laughs> I like how you've timed it now. Well, because I rewatched it and I was like, this is long. And so how long is it specifically? And it goes on for 61 seconds. I'm glad you have oh. enough time to do all those things in 61 yeah. seconds, Alex. Oh, absolutely. That was a lot of 61 <laughs> seconds of my life. What about uh, your standout effect award, man? Uh, mine's got to be the super heat, uh, heat wave thing that he fires out. But there's one particular instance that I really liked. And it was when the the actual, we actually see the human level devastation where it has the guys running away to get caught by the wave and they're just shown to be skeletons that are still standing mm. yeah <laughs> it was a, a mix of I really like that and it's awful looking <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just I, I did like the heat wave like I liked it a little better than the rainbow even though it's not as cool as the rainbow Barugan's rainbow I do like that we see more devastation from it like we see entire blocks of city just completely eradicated it's pretty cool yeah for sure what about your oh that's a good shot award i was gonna go with the elephant trunk (laughs) scene uh because i can't forget it (laughs) mostly but uh you know i i'm actually gonna go with some of the the scene where they're inside Gamera and they're kind of just floating around and they're like kind of being told to turn around. But I just like the shot inside where we really get, I don't, I, there was something I, I mentioned it earlier, but there's something kind of mystical about them being inside Gamera and then getting out and walking around. And so really all the shots inside were kind of, I don't know, like en- enchanting. Mm. <laughs> What do you think about that? I'm enchanted by the way you said that, Alex. <laughs> what about you, Eric? Uh, mine was during that 127-hour scene, uh, Drew, and it, it, I, this just stood out to me so much, but it's the point-of-view shot from Gamera's perspective where he looks down at his two hind legs and his tail right there. I had to rewind it. Because I wasn't quite sure it was a tail at first, so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. This, this was it was so unique. Good. This was going to be my. It was unique, and this was going to be my standout shot award. But you beat me to it, so I had to come up with two runner-ups, Eric. So thank you for that. That's fine. That's what I do. <laughs> Drew, what about well, you, man? Uh, yeah, I, I had a hard time. Like I was watching, I knew this award was coming. I was like, okay, what's what's the good shot going to be? And I thought for the most part, the movie was very just vanilla. But the ba- the death of the baby Jiger inside of Gamera was really well constructed. Like you got in the foreground, the baby Jiger just kind of, he's getting fried by the walkie-talkie. And then the kids are in the background kind of looking on nervously. And then the Jiger dies mm-hmm. and they're relieved. And I thought it was put together well and and was one one of the few things that it's like oh they uh they took their time with this one <laughs> yeah yeah they they really did take their time with it. i like that entire yep. scene mm-hmm. inside again the yellow submarine did us right this time <laughs> eric instead of dancing underneath the camera it did uh now drew did you have a bonus award you wanted to give out i this did week? uh this 
I thought it would be fun to award this Gamera movie the WTF moment of the week. And I've, I've got three solid nominations, I feel like. All right. We're going to let you do yeah. this one. Yeah, I want to yeah. know what you have uh, to say. You all can weigh in. So first, there's the scene. Uh, Gamera's returning to the, the Expo 70, and he's flying in, and you see the Soviet uh-huh. Union display and the, the hammer and the sickle just, like, right yeah. below Gamera. So I'm like... <laughs> You know, he's he's the hero of the people and the children, and it's kind of like, oh, are they saying Gamera's like this uh, <laughs> uh, proletariat hero? <laughs> was, was that the message of the film? That's awesome. And then my second nominee is going to be the exploding elephant trunk that Alex <laughs> mentioned. Um, yeah, yes. so... That's uh, oh. actually like real documentary footage too, and that they just were like, "Okay, oh. we need to put this in a children's movie <laughs> and uh, sc- scar them for yeah. life. Scar me for life, <laughs> right?" And I like that the audience all has the same reaction <laughs> I had, and they're oh yeah, everyone watching isn't just like cool with it. They're like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> <laughs> and and then the the third uh, WTF moment is as soon as Jiger wakes up. What she got to do? Get a drink of water, and there's like a, a ten mm-hmm. second, just like I've, I've been in rocks for untold <laughs> amount of time. Like, uh, I'm going to get a drink, which uh, no, yeah. I love that. It, it, which it's perfect. It means that these giant monsters, uh, you know, have other bodily f- functions, and you know, one day maybe that'll make that to the screen. I guess yeah. in Godzilla 2014, the, the monsters kind of. They mentioned them mating or, or yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> just going to be further fur, oh further God. carried out one every thirty five years or so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, oh, let's let's move into our rating and our ranking then. And Drew, we'll start with you. Out of five, what do you rate this movie, and where does it rank within the Gamera series um, so um, far? I'm going with a two out of five stars. Uh, a little bit harder on these movies, but overall, like my scale, I'd put a two point five as average movie, and I I put this a little below average. Like I'm not going to be in any rush to rewatch it again. Uh, I do like the the concept of the movie. Like let's take Fantastic Voyage and and do it as a monster movie, and I think it would be cool. Mm to see that again Mm. like further explored um with maybe a bigger budget and like modern movie but Mm. overall like there aren't many strong characters in the movie and i don't know it's just there were a lot of flaws to me so just below average but Mm -hmm. i i enjoyed it but not a not a high rating so where where does it fall then uh on in the show uh rankings of Gamera that you've seen so far? I'd probably put it third or fourth. Um, probably first is okay. Gauss. And then uh, and then yes. the, maybe the original Gamera. And then probably this and Baragon Tied. They're, they're kind of similar <laughs> in a lot of ways. But this one's like, okay, let's do Baragon, but with more more Gamera fights. And, and, and Fantastic <laughs> yeah, Vo- yeah, Voyage. Yeah. Right. For sure. Yeah. Eric, what about you? So for me, you know, I I was thinking about these films. I was thinking about which would be Yuasa's favorite. And apparently 
his own personal favorite is Gamera versus Virus. Um, and oh. I think that's an interesting choice to me. But I see this film <laughs> as kind of the fulfillment of the thematic promise that the last two films, Virus and Giron, had, but didn't quite mm-hmm. live up to. So on a technical level, as you said, Drew, I think Gamera versus Gauss and Gamera versus Baragon are two much better films. But I think there's something in the blend of the ridiculousness, the childishness, and the just the overall tomfoolery that makes this film work on a thematic level. Um, also, just as a personal preference, I enjoyed the internal threat of something ancient more than the external threat of something foreign that we've seen in the past couple of films. Mm. Jiger, I loved her design uh, as well. She seemed to be a real threat right from the beginning. Whether or not she was a bad guy or a good guy, we can leave that up for debate. But for me, I actually give this film a half a star more than Giron from last week. So this is a three out of five, which is the same rating I gave the original Gamera, which was a three out of five. But I do rate this one slightly higher than the original Gamera. This one falls third on my show list so far. Okay. Yeah. You know, I'm kind of surprised, Eric. I, I, I really enjoyed this one a lot more than I thought I would. Um, what I liked about it was that, A, the battles feel really fun and exciting when they're happening, even though... I feel like the third act goes on a little too long. And I do think the movie loses itself briefly after Gamera dies for a little while, while it's trying to get uh, the kids into Gamera to make it more exciting. But other than that, it's, it's a lot of fun. I mean, you could tell he's having fun. I mean, this monster has face (laughs) rockets. It fires needles. It does everything. I mean, the, the, Every time you think it's done, it does something other else that's weird, even weirder than it was. And I think there's even a quote in the movie that says something like, oh, that's weird. <laughs> and it's while they're watching the initial fight between Gamera and uh, Jiger. And I was like, that sums up this movie pretty well. And, you know, the, the voyage inside Gamera is a lot of fun. And, you know, they're so <laughs> they're so obsessed with Expo 70. I can't help but root for expo 70 to win the day so with that i'm actually going to give this a three out of five as well and this is actually going to be number two on my list right behind gauss don't forget uh jiger's force powers when she summons the rock yes (laughs) true i know right all of a sudden jiger's magneto and i like gamera just kind (laughs) of like gives a side eye like uh what just happened Yes, yeah, exactly. The movie is fun, and that's what really... It's like you said, Eric, this is the fulfillment of the last two movies. I don't think think the kids are as interesting to me as the Mm -hmm. last two movies. Last movie, we had the dumbest (laughs) kids I've ever seen. The movie before that, we got the smartest kids I've ever seen. In this one, we got kids that want to do everything, but they're also kind of a little apathetic, (laughs) almost in a way, until the final battle where, like I said earlier, they're just rooting fighting moves at (laughs) at camera as he does not respond to any of the moves they tell him to do. Yeah, he's got his ears Uh, plugged with two... uh, (laughs) With two telephone poles. Yeah, he can't hear you. He just pierced his eardrums, but... (laughs) 
movie is fun. And, you know, it, if a movie can be this fun, I, I got to give it a six out of ten. And or Oh, no, three out of five. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, three out of five. And, uh, yeah, it's my number two. I'm surprised. Right in front of, I guess it's right in front of Barragon. Or no, it's right in front of Giron. Man, my list is all jacked up. I didn't expect it to go this way. (laughs) Just wait until Super Monster, where that tops your list. No. (laughs) Let's not get people's hopes up. (laughs) All right. Well, that moves us into rhyme time. Um, Alex, do you have a a rhyme prepared this week, or do we need to go first so you you can think of it? Uh, Next week is Zegra, right? Yep. All right. Uh, yeah, so uh, next week we got Gamera versus Zegra. Is that movie on Fleekgra? <laughs> I'm not even laughing anymore, Alex. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> all right, Drew. Hey, Drew's laughing. That's all. Drew, I mean. you got one. You got yeah, one, Drew. This is, this is my chance to uh, uh, enact some mystery science theater. Make your mark. Yeah. So, to steal their bit, Gamera, Gamera, Gamera is really neat. Zegra must be beat. We all love you, Gamera. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> hey, I'm a, I'm a professionally Man. trained singer. Yeah, that was very operatic. I really enjoyed that, Drew. <laughs> Man, I don't know how I can live up to that. But it, like, it felt like it like, cleansed yeah. my soul. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> Mine says, uh, in Gamera versus Zegra, the turtle faces a shark, or is it a bird? Will it make its mark or lay a turd? Mm. We'll see. <laughs> well, from what I hear, it's a turd, but I've heard that the last several movies, so we'll see. And I, I couldn't tell. Like, I looked at the pictures of Zegra, and I couldn't tell if it was a shark or if it was a bird, so. Uh, I think it's a, I don't know why I think it's a bird. It's a I don't know. I don't know. We will find <laughs> out a- maybe next week. <laughs> maybe Um, next week (laughs) but hey drew is going to be joining us here on mvm plus today uh we're going to talk about mst3k and we're going to talk about those godzilla tier lists that are all over twitter and we're also going to talk about a couple surprise topics that drew is going to bring into the conversation you can listen to that in our entire backlog of mvm plus episodes for just two dollars over at patreon.com slash MVM pod. But before we wrap up here, Drew, where can people find you online besides our Instagram at MVM underscore pod account? Uh, well, my, my personal like uh, geek page is uh, at cast the collector. And so I'm on there like posting random toy finds and video games and comics, things like that. Things that I'm more interested in myself and, and just mm-hmm. trying to share all this stuff I've accumulated over the years. <laughs> it's awesome, man. Now, now, Drew, you also told us you had uh, some recommendations. Yeah, I, I was going to suggest that, you know, for monster movie fans, uh, they should, if they're curious about what's going on in Marvel Comics these days, to check out Immortal Hulk. Um, there's the writer, Al Ewing, has been like, He's doing a transformative run, uh, kind of like what Alan Moore did with Swamp Thing back in the eighties. He's wow. took the character back to his horror roots, and mm. uh, like the Hulk, it's called the Immortal Hulk because he can't be killed. But 
you know, he can't, it's not a blessing for the character <laughs> to be immortal. Right. And he's going through all these other, uh, changes as well. And it's, it's been a really cool take on the character. And I think they're kind of, uh, heading towards his story's conclusion, uh, within the next year or so. And, uh, it's, it's really worth checking out if you're a fan of, of monster movies. I did not realize Ewing was writing that. Yeah. It's, it's really good. That's, that's cool. what I hear. Oof. And a movie recommendation too. Yeah. Um, so like going back to mystery science theater, um, kind of my favorite kind of movies to watch are the movies that are so bad. They're good. And <laughs> maybe not to necessarily riff on them, but I just really appreciate when people give an earnest, like try at something and right. maybe fail spectacularly. And, uh, <laughs> just, it's, not to make fun of it, but I, I find those things entertaining when you throw it all out there and maybe it's things people don't consider uh, mainstream and great, but they're, they're just so much fun to watch. And in that vein, this week on demand, there's a new movie called Money Plane um, and it, <laughs> it, it stars the wrestler Edge and Kelsey Grammer as this casino drug lord. And and Edge <laughs> has to pull off a, a midair heist on the the world's first gambling plane. Oh, <laughs> and wow. yeah, it's uh, supposedly like uh, legendary, so bad it's good territory. And <laughs> the the directors, I, I read a oral history of of how they came up with the idea, and uh, this week, and they kind of sound like the directors of crank and crank two, which wow. are uh, like two of the, the most fun movies ever made, I think. <laughs> um, and they just knew what they were going to do is try and make this super entertaining movie. And you know, who cares <laughs> if it makes sense, we're, it's going to be a blast to watch. And I'm just super excited to check wow. it out and see like how, how quote unquote bad it is. But, it might be a blast to watch. Yeah. What was what was this movie, Alex, that we watched? And it was a Drew recommendation. Oh. I mean, it was uh, several years ago. And it was about like these uh, group of like San Francisco ninjas or something like that. Oh, yeah. Oh, Miami, Miami Connection. Miami Connection? <laughs> yeah, Miami. Not San Francisco. <laughs> Miami Connection. Yeah. yeah. Is that what it is? Is it Miami Connection? Yeah. 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 That's an epic yeah. movie. Is it? Yeah. Miami? It's a group of biker oh, ninjas that are yeah. really bad. <laughs> Yeah. 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 Miami connection is so underrated. Yeah, I have it on Blu-ray. <laughs> yeah. Uh so the guys and that it's did on mystery it's on TV. Yeah. Well, nice. the guys that did Mystery Science Theater, like once that show was over, they launched their own uh internet channel called Rift Tracks. And there's a ton of them on yeah. Amazon Prime, and they have, they have a riff tracks for Miami Connection. <laughs> oh, I haven't awesome. watched it, but I really want to. Oh nice. man, I want to check that out. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, we will talk to Drew here in a second, but as always on MVM Plus. But as always, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram 
at MVM underscore pod on Letterboxd where Eric Neely and Alex Cornette, where you can see all of our jacked up Gamera and Godzilla list. Um, you can email us <laughs> mvmpod at gmail.com or leave us feedback at mvmpod.com. And if you feel so led, leave us a review on iTunes. Your review really helps. Monsters vs. Men is produced by Alex Cornette. Special thanks to our wives, Rock Band for PlayStation 3, Senor Honda, and you, the listener, for listening. Until next week, try, try to, to stay, stay alive. No, no, no. I, I looked over them already. I just had the wrong notes put on. I was like, where is the intro? <laughs> okay. Um, <clears throat> all right. I'm excited to welcome back our first returning. <laughs> <laughs> this technically you, you did true. that on purpose. <laughs> did you your first returning Drew? No. Did you do I, this I, on purpose? You know what I, you know no, you know what I have realized, Alex? Um, <laughs> you did it again. No. You just put Drew. Here's everywhere. what happened. Now listen, listen, here's what happened. Here's what happened. So you know, I'm I'm going off a template. I'm realizing what happens now. Okay. Right? I'm going off a template and then I do like a control F and I look for all the guests. And then I do a replace all with the guest name. Mm. And so now all the guests in this were, I changed to Drew automatically. Does that make sense? It does. It doesn't make it any less funny.